Hello, everyone, and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO show House of the Dragon? Uh, I am Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns, and I am here with my co-host, Caroline. Hi, guys. I'm Caroline. I use she, her pronouns. And we are finishing up the chapter, Birth, Death, and Betrayal under Jaehaerys I. This is part three. It's the last ten pages, Mm -hmm. approximately. Um, And, wow, does some dark stuff happen in this one. I mean, we talked about some dark stuff last time, so we're just gonna gonna keep going. It's not as dark as last time. I think last time, darker. Yeah. I don't know that we need trigger warnings this no. time. People people die. It's a song of ice and fire. That's, this one's nice and straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tragic. There's some. Tra- this feels very tragic. It's very tragic. So yeah, so they were, they were you know, living in the year of the stranger, uh, is what, the, what history refers to this as, because there's been so much death and, you know, Queen Alyssa dying last time. And uh, basically... Jaharis and Allison handle the grief in different ways. Jaharis comes back and he gets to work. Yep. He's doing realm stuff. He really sure does seem to like he's uh kinda like fidgety. You know? Mm. Like he whenever things are difficult, he's like, I need a project. You know what I need? I need to like build a thing or just like take on a big new project that's gonna last me for like decades. He just really he mm-hmm. really likes a project. I will yeah, say. He wants Harris. to be doing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which is mm-hmm. fair. I also like to be doing stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, he can't play Minecraft for many hours on right. end. So right. and like he has to big things. Build things. Like, you know, for his to his credit, when he says when he does a project, he doesn't half ass a project. He's like, I'm gonna build a giant building or like I'm gonna build some roads or I'm gonna overhaul all of the laws. Like Yeah. <laughs> Just for funsies. Just for, just, just for fun. <laughs> yeah, what's the problem? Um, so we get some details about things that are happening around. There's another Vulture King in Dorne, which I love. Yep. That there's just... There's just always the a Vulture book, King. What? Is that Vulture King number four? Three? I don't remember. Point? It's at least... I think it's yeah, four. Yeah, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Um, there's a sweating sickness somewhere. There's tensions in the step like, zones, whatever. This paragraph struck me as funny because it's the first paragraph of this section where it's like, ah, yes. And, like, we didn't do this on purpose. We just, like, break sections. But it's the beginning yeah. of this section. And, like, we never hear about any of these three things again for the rest of the chapter. They're just like, nope. by the way, there's a Poulter King. Not going to talk about him. By the way, there's a sweating sickness. Mm-hmm. Not going to talk about that. And also, there's some stuff in the step zones. We're not going to talk about that either. Yep. Doesn't matter. Like, just say, it's background good. noise. That stuff's happening. Yeah, Jake. Jaharis is doing projects. <laughs> and Allison loves her kid. Uh-huh, she really loves her daughter, Daenerys. She really loves her good kid. good for her. Yeah. Yeah, and Daenerys is, like, cute and whatever. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we sometimes... We actually get some insight into what, like, a toddler Targaryen is like. The first time. Yeah, ever. like a regular fucking toddler. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, oh, my God, she's talking and she's walking. And I'm like, yeah, she's, like, a year and a half. That's what they yeah, do that, with that. that. Yeah. It's a pretty normal <laughs> milestone, actually. Like, about... Yeah, eighteen months. Glad she, yeah, glad she's hitting all those. That's yeah, good. good for her pursuing those gross. You take your skills. prenatal vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so everything's doing that in King's Landing, but our girl Reyna, uh, not so she great. She's not doing great after the death of her mom and threatening her stepdad. 
Um, she's going back to Dragonstone, and I mean, things aren't great at Dragonstone. Uh, mm -hmm. Aria is having uh, a hard time. Aria is 13 and needs like a MySpace so she can, like, you know, vent to the internet. Uh -huh. She needs like an AIM so she could put up like a song lyrics, yeah. you know, as her away message. Oh my gosh. Be some like My Chemical Romance shit, you know. That's what you gotta. She, you know that she's got hair that covers one of yep, her eyes right absolutely. now. Like that's got it. That's all that's happening. She's totally in an emo phase at this point. <laughs> she's taking pictures like raw, you uh -huh. know, with the little sideways faces. Yep. Yeah, that's what, exactly what Arya's doing. Yeah, and so they fight a mm -hmm. lot. And uh, Dragonstone is like the, in my opinion, is like the epitome of like the personal and political yes. in, like, intersecting. Uh -huh. And we could get more into that in the analysis. Yeah, absolutely. But basically, they're fighting. It's not great. Um, and Andrew, then poor Andrew, poor Andrew Farman is also feeling neglected um, and unwanted. He, I mean, he is being neglected. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. and you have some theories about what might, some things that might be going on with him. Um, on yeah. the surface, he's a, he's a bored, I mean, so very surface level, he's just kind of sitting around and doing nothing and mm -hmm. is sad that no one's paying any attention to him, but he's not like mm -hmm. doing anything except playing with the painted yeah. table and you know god bless god bless yeah he seems to really like the painted table it's and it's little mini mini figs he loves his little yeah know, miniatures i would also love to play with the painted table i can't i can't lie about that no, i would be a big be painted awesome. table fan that's kind of like a big sims yeah. you know um <laughs> but yeah he's like very and and dragonstone i think feels hopeless because mm -hmm. we previously had a discussion about how like Reyna has nothing to yep. do you know and now Andrew also has nothing to do they have the same problem yep. uh Reyna fills her time by having just dozens of girlfriends yep. just so many yep. girlfriends <laughs> yes uh-huh Andrew fills his time by poisoning said girlfriends yeah. uh-huh so do you want to describe what happens yeah so a mysterious sickness comes to Dragonstone that um they start having like abdominal problems and then are dead within a day. Mm -hmm. um, Reyna, to her credit, is like, bar the gates. We don't want to get anyone. Like, I mean, she has no suspicions and is just like, oh no, everyone around me is getting sick. Let's bar the gates and at least protect everyone else on Dragonstone, which I was like, good for you. You know, mm -hmm. good for you protecting people, even though it not gonna get any further than the castle um yeah i do love the minor note where like one of the maesters is like it's you're not sick right because you're a special dragon person and dragon magic magic blood sick. the magic blood and it's like no he just didn't poison yeah you. right like no andrew <laughs> wants you to suffer by watching everyone you love around you die so that's why you're not getting yep. sick mm -hmm. um and he kills a lot of people he kills the maester first who was mm -hmm. old and then the next person he kills is a 14-year-old yep. girl, which, like, yikes, bro. Mm -hmm. um, and they all start slowly dying, including our girl Sam Stokeworth, who's been around, like, forever. One of the oldest girlfriends. One of the OGs. I know. OG girlfriend. Ride or die. I guess die, in this circumstance. Yep. Um, <laughs> they really did. Ride the dragon until they died. Yep. yep. They, they did, in fact, ride the dragon <laughs> until they died. <laughs> oh, this metaphor gets worse and worse. Um, but... Yeah, so they, they all die, and then finally they realize uh, it's not a sickness, it's the tears of a list, because our boy Rego Draz mm -hmm. 
in King's Landing. Yeah. It's like, aha, I'm using my magic Eastern knowledge. Yep. This is the Tears of Lys. Yep. Um, and somebody's done doing the poison. And so Jaharis writes back to Reyna, lets her know, and then they figure out it was, uh, it was Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they definitely give him, like, a totally fair trial and punishment, right? Well, no, he, he definitely dies by suicide. He jumps out a window. Yeah. Because he, he's like, my wife can fly and so can I. And then he jumps out a window and, um. Yep. Turns out After Reyna is like. No. <laughs> After Reyna threatens him because she well, she tells her guards, catch him and geld him, but keep him alive because I want to fry up his genitals and feed them to him. And that's when he's like, all right, I'm going to jump out this I'm window. Jump out the window. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he does. And then she feeds his body to her dragons. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Which is, is that the first person that gets fed to? No, that's not the first person that gets fed to a dragon. So. But that's a running theme mm-hmm. yep death well it isn't death by dragon but right it's burial it's... by dragon yeah it's <laughs> burial in dragon belly Ugh. yep uh, a... oh what so... is it called there is a form of burial called sky burial and that people practice mm-hmm. in tibet where they they chop your body up into meat-sized pieces and feed you to vultures um, really? Yeah, they like put you up on like oh. a high plateau, and then the vultures eat you as a way of returning your body back to the earth, hmm. and back to nature. That so it's actually a nice, very uh, eco-friendly. Yeah, kinda. yeah. It's so yeah. it's like sky burial, but it was definitely not meant as like a like a beautiful symbolic picture of like returning you to nature. This was definitely just like Raina's real mad. <laughs> yeah, Raina was real mad. I mean, three of her best friends or or lovers or whatever die. In one yep. night. Mm-hmm. You know? And, I mean, this is, like, extraordinarily traumatic. Yeah, and, like, this is a lot of, also a lot of really important people because she her girlfriends mm-hmm. are not just, like, randos. You know? Like, one of them is, like, no. her cousin. A, Valari- the, like uh, a Valerian, like a Valerian, yeah. Valerian, yep. yeah. Um, these are, like, important lord's daughters that are yeah. being murdered by her husband. Well, and so right after this happens, Damon Valarian, who was Hand of the King, uh, asks to go back to Driftmark. Mm-hmm. And the reason he gives is, I'm old and I want to spend time with my family, you know, in my, like, last few years kind of sure. thing. Which makes makes sense in a res- as a response to, like, his niece just getting murdered. Uh-huh. Um, but the text also suggests that there might be something else going on there. So, yeah, we can, yeah, we can talk about whether so, or not we think we'll there's talk about that. yet. Um, yeah. So yeah, Jaharis has to find a new hand. Um, mm-hmm. It's we get like a couple of pages of describing all of the the, the process of finding a new mm-hmm. hand and why a bunch of people won't work. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of which, of course, Alison was not involved at all. Of course, she's not involved. No, but <clears throat> Alison was away on Dragonstone. She had no input whatsoever yep. into the choosing. Yep. Not even hand. in the same place. So how could she have? you know had any input yeah um, definitely but yeah so yeah alison like does a nice sister thing she tries she tries she tries, she tries to do a nice sister thing unfortunately Raina but if you wasn't think about into it, it. <laughs> i mean if you think about it from Raina's point of view Raina must be in her what late 20s at this yeah, point she's close to 30 and yeah and alison is 16? 16 at the latest yeah um or to, like 
maybe and, 17 yes yeah, maybe like at most close to 18 because um Daenerys is is one and a half at this point and yeah that yeah she's growing yeah okay so she's like a teenager mm-hmm. like your teen sister coming to be like your teen sister who's like the queen uh-huh. which you should be yep. who has like a daughter she loves which you should have <laughs> and like a good marriage and like stability and power all these things you should have and her coming and being like I'm here to comfort you uh-huh. it's like yeah I'd throw her out too yeah. <laughs> and be like absolutely fuck yeah. you uh-huh. like get the fuck out of here <laughs> We're like no zero percent basically what Raina does and like i right. i get it i understand why she yeah. doesn't want uh alisanne around um, yeah gildane seems to think that it's just Raina being a bitch but i mean it's a combination of the personal and political i think right. this would have been different and we could talk about this more is if alisanne and Raina had a relationship yep. mm-hmm you know, this would have all been very different. But they basically don't know each yeah, other. Yeah, as far as we know, this is the only time that Alisanne, like, in the text, this is the only time that Alisanne has, like, gone out of her way to, like, spend time with her older sister. Um, right, exactly. So. Um, Jaharis does pick a new hand, Miles Smallwood, mm-hmm. who, um, if you noticed, our girl Lady Lucinda was mentioned in the text yeah. again. Lady Lucinda's, like, the liege lord mm-hmm. of Smallwood. Yeah um and her husband her husband because yeah. she's married to lord tully yeah. so she's like the they're yeah. the um the lord's paramount of the the riverlands riverlands right exactly uh so i like to think lady lucinda had influence here and if lady lucinda had influence here then i like to think alisanne had influence mm-hmm. here but we, we can discuss we can discuss an well, analysis you know lady lucinda and and alisanne they're besties lucinda was one of they are women because, so uh-huh. yeah because Lucinda uh, was trying, was definitely trying to convince her not to marry the king, and was just won over mm-hmm. by her charms. Um, so then everything's going great, and Jaehaerys' project is the dragon yeah. pit, and he finishes it finally, finally, finishes yeah. The dragon pit. Um, and the and everything's great. Yeah, good for him. They've got a big giant building for dragons to remind everyone mm-hmm. about the dragons and how powerful they are. Just in time for uh area back on dragonstone to uh steal to claim balerion whoopsie doodle the 13 year old she just stumbled into the dragon oh no (laughs) i woke up out of bed and i slipped and i fell on top of balerion and i mean i guess he's my dragon now and i flew away so yeah she claims balerion and and rides off into the sunset and uh we're sure that like you know this will be fine. Nothing terrible is gonna happen. Nothing bad will happen. They're gonna be great. Area and Balerion, you know, r- nothing bad happens to them ever. This is fine. No. Perfectly fine. The, no yeah. Worry. Don't worry it's about It's just them. like, yeah. It's it's my little black dread, my little black dread. You know, it's just like a My Little yeah. Pony. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very safe. <laughs> he flies away. This is like a rainbow behind him. <laughs> Sparkles. <laughs> And, and they lived happily ever after, and nothing bad happened to them ever again. They were fine and happy. Yep, yep. Someday, some we're... some eventually they just come back home, and then um, Aria and Reyna reunite, and their relationship is perfect and great. Yep. And... Well, Aria comes back knowing the true power of friendship, yes. right? That's that's yes. the, and then that's that's what happens. Yeah. yeah, the power of friendship saves all. Yeah, of them. this this yeah, is that's... like in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender when everyone had a life changing journey with Zuko but like it's a life-changing yes. journey with Valerian the Black Dread. Valerian exactly it, 
Well, you know what, Gretchen? It is a life-changing journey with the Weird Black Dragon. <laughs> but that's not this chapter. So anyway. Spoilers. We will get to that later. <laughs> no, we managed not to spoil it in our description. Nope. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> analysis. What was the maester thinking? What was the maester thinking? Um, I found the the way he wrote about Andro was really interesting. I was expecting yeah. more vitriol for Reyna. Yeah. So like, I it, I would think that, it yeah. felt like there was definitely some sympathy for this like symbolically or like symbolically emasculated man who was married to like this powerful wife who was deeply uninterested in him and he was just kind of like faffing around bored that there was some mm-hmm. sympathy there but like based on the way that Gildane has talked about other like uh Visenya for example like I expected this section to just be like nothing but blame for Reyna Targaryen mm-hmm. absolutely That's, that was my note was like the fact that Andrew is so villainized is so interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I except for Magor, uh-huh. I can't really think of another man in the story who's been villainized. Even Rogar <laughs> Baratheon. Rogar Baratheon was like doing literal treason mm-hmm. and the text was like, ah, you give, give him a break. Give him a break. He doesn't have too many breaks. Give him calm down. Right. You know? Like he's not that he's not good at treason, so it's okay. Right. It didn't work, so we're mm-hmm. fine. Um, you know, I wonder if the difference is like Andro's, Andro's actions actually resulted in deaths, mm-hmm. you know, as we're opposed to like Rogar's didn't, because Rogar didn't do anything successfully. Right. And like Ma- Magor similarly did things that actually resulted in death and cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so surprised because the counterpoint to Andrew is Reyna. Yeah. And the fact that the text chose to villainize him and not villainize right. Reyna. You know what I mean? I wonder if there's some level of, like, what gets in the way of having any kind of, of having more sympathy for Andrew is precisely because he's non-martial. That, like, Rogar Baratheon was, like, like, so much of the sympathy was about, you know, look, like, he tried to do a treason, but remember the time he wanted to fight Magor, like, in one-on-one combat? Yeah. Like, super cool, though. (laughs) He's, like, a cool mm-hmm. masculine dude. He's just, like, kind of bad at treason. So, like, you should like him anyway. That, mm-hmm. like, but Andro is such a, like, non-person. Mm-hmm. Um, like, mm-hmm. he doesn't, I mean, he, he doesn't really have a personality. He's not really there. Like, there's nothing, there's not much to him. But that includes there's not much that, like, toxic masculine patriarchy can cling on to. To be, like, this poor poor man you know Mm -hmm. like because i feel like that westerosi patriarchy would look at andrew and be like he's a failure yes i agree with that and i and i think that to an extent to a large extent the text agrees with reyna's criticisms of him because she said i mean she's really mean to him she's she's super mean she's really mean to him and that's not cool Reyna. like it's like it's fine if you're a lesbian and you don't want to have sex with your husband like the patriarchy's bad for everyone this is an example Mm -hmm. of it right but you don't have to be cruel, yep. you know? And she is cruel to him. That said, she's cruel to him with criticisms that are not inaccurate. Right. Like, he wants to go with her to things. Like, he wants to go with her to, you know, tell Jaehaerys about the eggs being stolen. And she's like, why? Like, what would you do? You, would, you could just fall off the dragon, right. you know? 
um and he wants to go with her when her mom's dying mm. and she's like i'm not waiting for you and i'm not taking you on my trip like what use are you yeah it's like he's gonna be a comfort to her or anything like that like she's dropped all pretenses of pretending like this is a functional marriage mm-hmm. and they don't even sleep in the same tower in the castle right. because she's like well it's inconvenient go just live live your life you know kind of thing mm-hmm. and she's not wrong that he would be useless in those circumstances right because right? he's not politically savvy he doesn't have any kind of influence mm-hmm. he doesn't have any kind of skills or talents and she has no reason to sleep in bed with him because she has no interest in him sexually and no interest in having children with right. him so he is kind of just like this appendage mm-hmm. for her so she's not wrong in those criticisms, but I do think she's wrong in the cruelty in which she delivers them. Yeah. Yes, I agree. You know. <clears throat> yeah. And like some of the, it intrigues me that like some of the things that he, that Andrew wants from her are things that, that give him status under yeah. this system. You know, like what does he want? Like mm-hmm. he wanted to go with her. Like, going with her to Dragonstone, like, like one of his big complaints that he, like, it comes up multiple times that you mentioned was, like, he doesn't go with her on, like, offic- like you know, what you might consider official business. Right. Um, he just wants to be included. Yeah, he just wants to be included. But it's things yeah. that, like, it's not, some of it is, like, it's not even things she's taking her girlfriends to. But it, it's things that would signify that they are a unified partnership and that he mm-hmm. is an actual consort you know that like they have not just a functional marriage romantically because i don't think that matters but they have a functional political marriage in which he has a say and he has power like if both of them had traveled when Alyssa died that says something that like Mm -hmm. she thinks that it's important for him to be there not just not primarily emotionally but primarily in terms of like politics and how it looks right it doesn't even necessarily give him actual power it just gives him the respect Of pretending he has actual mm-hmm. power. Right. So it's not like it would... That's the thing. It's like for Reyna, like it wouldn't have hurt her in any funk, in any way to just be nice yeah. to him and to do these things. Yeah. You know? And I, I wonder why she didn't do mm-hmm. that. Because she's not politically stupid. Yeah. She's very politically astute. I actually think that's why. Like I... I the way that I see or, you know, I could totally be wrong. But the way I see it is that she doesn't... She knows that Westeros is looking for reasons to to make men more powerful, you know, wants to perceive mm-hmm. men as powerful. Oh, and so yeah. mm-hmm. she, it feels to me like she's doing everything she can to, like, sideline her husband politically, knowing that if she were to give him any room in the spotlight beside her, that Westeros would devalue her, that she's trying to make sure that yeah. like, she doesn't have to share, you know, that... That she is the only political power in that marriage. Um, mm-hmm. Precisely because she's hmm. had power taken away so much. That, like, I I view Reyna as very concerned about the possibility that, like, people are looking for ways to disempower her. And one of those ways could mm-hmm. be through Andro. And so is yeah. intentionally sidelining Andro because... She fears that any spot, any any room that he has to get political power, that like people will start shifting political power to him w- whenever they can. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely understand what you're saying, and I, I agree with that. I think also 
the way I was interpreting it, and I think they work together, is that she's just kind of sick of this shit at this Absolutely. point. Yep. Like, she's kind of exhausted by placating people. Because she did that initially mm-hmm. when she was married to her brother and something like she did she did that she did the be the princess be the queen marry your brother have the kids do like the political stuff that you're expected to do and it, none of it worked yep. she ended up disempowered dis uh, distance from both of her kids distance from the rest of her family having suffered through uh, being married to Magor with with God knows what kind of trauma that came mm-hmm. with that and I think she could definitely be looking at it politically and being like, if I give him an inch, everyone's going to take a mile. Mm-hmm. Like, if I give him an inch, everyone else is going to give him a mile. If I bring him, they're going to think he's the one making yep. decisions and that's not the situation. I think also she could just be sick of it and be like, I'm done pretending. Like, I don't have power. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Like, I'm a dragon-riding Targaryen queen. Mm-hmm. I have power. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sick of pre- I'm sick of pretending, having to pretend that men around me matter mm-hmm. in this equation. Yep. You know, so I could definitely see that being like a, a really interesting kind of personal political combination for mm-hmm. her. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the fact that the but the fact that the maester so villainizes Andro, I think is I think is a combination of things. So you were saying that he's a failure as a man mm-hmm. under the patriarchy. I think that's definitely a huge part of it. That he has no redeeming qualities under the patriarchy, yeah. and then he actually does actual violence to women who matter. Yeah. Oh, and also it's the kind of violence, too. There's a level of misogyny that mm-hmm. happens in the fact that he uses poison. Because as soon yeah. as, like, Rego, Rego Draz is like, oh, yeah, I know that. That's poison. People are like, ooh, poison. We don't, Poison's for cowards. We don't do yeah. a lot of poison here in Westeros because that's for mm-hmm. cowards and women. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that that could definitely have something to do with the way that they perceive Andro because... In that same way, like, he's he's doing violence to women who matter, but in, like, a really cowardly, non-masculine, mm-hmm. you know, in, like, a woman, you know, quote-unquote, in a woman's yeah, way, like a woman's poison way, is a yeah. woman's weapon. So, like, he's, yeah, he's, like, a thoroughly, mm-hmm. I think under patriarchy, patriarchy perceives him as, like, a thoroughly emasculated man in a way that, like, you yeah. can't have sympathy for, that it, like, finds kind of contemptible. And really mm-hmm. uncomfortable with just how, you know, how quote unquote emasculated he is that like he even stoops to the level of like poisoning people, which, you know, we mm-hmm. all know that ladies do because they're not strong enough to do sort yeah. of. I just I wonder, though, because like the patriot, the toxic patriarchy of Westeros tells men that the response to being emasculated is violence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only response. Right. There, there were never the, the response. There was never a chance that Andrew was going to like sit Reyna down and be like, <laughs> "You're really hurting my feelings. I feel really disempowered and disenfranchised here. Like, if you don't want to be married, let me know. I'll leave, mm-hmm. and we could like get a Westerosi divorce. But you know, otherwise, I would like to be involved. Like, please, like there, there was never yeah. going to be a conversation about feelings, nope. right? Um, but obviously, his feelings were being hurt, and he was being emasculated, and he did respond with violence, which is what the patriarchy wants. I wonder if it would have been different. If his violence had been, like, rage. Yeah. If he had been, like, they they laughed at him and he was so enraged, he pulled out his sword and slew two of them with one stroke, right. you know? I wonder how the text would have treated it then. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. But I did, I did find the bias tilting. I think I think ultimately the bias tilting in favor of Reyna has less to do with Reyna and more to do with Andrew. Yep, I agree. 
Yeah. That, like, it has such a hard time having sympathy for him that it ends up kind of inadvertently tipping in favor of Reyna. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. Um, yeah, because one other, one other aspect of that that we didn't talk about and is that he never takes another lover. You know, like, Re- like yeah. Reyna basically is like... That was it for him. Feel free to fuck other people. Mm-hmm. Like she, like that. The point in the text where where she says, um, you know, where they sleep in different towers, they sleep in different beds, and it was like basically the implicit understanding was like, you know, if you so if you happen to find somebody else, then it won't be a problem. Which is basically Ray's right. way of saying like, look, like you can have your girlfriends and I'll have mine, and he yeah. never does. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if under toxic patriarchy that also feels like a like a betrayal of like he's so he's look at this mm. i mean i hate this word but like the way that modern conservatives talk about like oh a cuck you know like oh yeah this guy yeah. is like so devoted to his like toxic shitty wife that like he can't even you know he can't mm-hmm. even like find another girlfriend which mm-hmm. is enough which and, is, and which would West- be another way to respond another way to respond when your wife when like under patriarchy if your wife is unacceptable is to like find somebody else yeah and and in in westeros it's almost like the <clears throat> norm for men to have like mm-hmm. power mowers and sex sex slaves or uh, prostitutes or however it is you want to like whatever is available mm-hmm. to them and it's not the norm for women to Mm-hmm. It's like if women do that, that's like very looked down on. But if men do it, it's like yeah, you know, yeah. He has some bastards, whatever you know, it mm-hmm. happens. Um, right. Like, yeah. So I think that's very much like he's being villainized so much within the universe and by the text because of how emasculated he was and how he didn't overcome that emasculation. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, in the text eyes, he leaned into it. By using poison. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but still at the same time, like, speaking of, like, it can't quite... I think what points in favor of what of what you and I are saying is that, like, Reyna's inadvertently given more sympathy, but not really actually a lot. Like, the text is... No, the text... The text is like, all of her friends died in one night. Whoops. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I'm like, holy crap dude like that's insane right and then like the way it describes how like angry she is they're like oh yeah and look at this angry lady and i'm like she's fucking traumatized okay like she just lost like do you know how much loss this woman has suffered like it that is the other part of it to me that makes me think that like this that any sympathy for reyna is 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 an outgrowth of the fact that it cannot have sympathy for andro because like it doesn't mm-hmm. actually really have sympathy for Reyna either, because like ep- yeah, its response is just to be like wow, and then like she got super pissy and like also she's you know treating her daughter really poorly and is really spicy and angry and they fight all the time and then like she goes and she threatens a bunch of people and like it mm-hmm. it's still not kind to Reyna, yeah, it just can't entirely villainize to- her because then it would it would have that would mean exonerating Andrew and it can't do that either. Right, exactly. And I don't know that Andrew is someone who shouldn't be given more sympathy. And we could talk yeah. about that more in um, when it really happened. But this is sort of interesting to think about the different ways the text writes about Reyna and Allison. Because mm-hmm. Allison went through a trauma at Maidenpool, yeah. right, when she was attacked. The text was extremely sympathetic to Allison, which makes sense. She was attacked by people, mm-hmm. you know. People tried to literally kill her. 
it still mentions her her the birth of her first child and how uh he died and how it still weighs on her like that still comes up in the text you know the text is very sensitive around the fact that her first child uh died right um or even the way it talks about Alyssa as like how beautiful how brave how tragic like Mm -hmm. that it can it I mean of course this is this is the duality of patriarchy right that like some women very feminine women when they suffer are like beautiful and tragic that like it's Mm -hmm. allowed to like paint women who exist within the norm as like sad and tragic and grieving because it can have sympathy for them because it's like look they're doing everything they can but like look how sad their life is like it Mm -hmm. the way that it talks about Alyssa, i think Alyssa is a really good comparison because she also loses her husband children die Mm. like she there's a lot of loss around her and the and gildane is just kind of like and and westeros is like effusively like oh this sad tragic woman but like Mm -hmm. reyna who like her husband dies and then she's married to magor who probably serially assaults her and Mm -hmm. um she's afraid for her children's life and then she gets free of that and then she has to you know and she's a queer woman and no one loves her for who she is and she you know and then like and then this happens Mm -hmm. and like all of her lovers and girlfriends and best friends die and and this is after Alyssa Farman leaves yes like her so like one after the other yeah the the love of her life left uh she feels betrayed by that because she stole eggs and then all everyone who's left like she throws herself into having relationships with all these other people and they all die Mm -hmm. and then her husband Mm -hmm. commits suicide and like and her daughter runs away in a dragon like what the fuck does she have left and the text is still like she's so angry and yelling at people and i'm like yeah yeah of course she's angry and yelling at people like i i absolutely agree it's it's it is insane how the the text is just like like Reyna can't be beautiful, sad, no. and tragic. I mean, but I mean, she could be like you could think about her that way, mm-hmm. but the text will never think no. about her that way. No, she's too she's too dangerous to be tragic. Like tragic women are yeah. women who aren't perceived as a threat. But if a woman could be a threat, yeah. then she's dangerous. And her I'm so her grief and anger is threatening because it could spill over into upsetting the system. Mm-hmm. I'm so interested in how the text somehow makes Allison not threatening, and this is something maybe we could keep tags on as we read because Allison is also a Targaryen queen with a dragon, mm-hmm. but she's somehow not threatening, yeah. whereas Reyna is. And I wonder if it's like just drawn from the age thing that Reyna is the older sister. Mm-hmm. You know those spooky, you scary know, older sisters. Those spooky, scary ladies. <laughs> you know, because like she's like Allison is equally as threatening. Mm-hmm. But the text does not think no. so. No. You know? In fact, it downplays any power that she has. Yeah. It does. Uh-huh. Okay, let's keep tabs on that as we go, because I'm interested in, in that yep. comparison. Um, also, I mean, yeah, so the, the, fi- th- the final yeah. kind of note about, about you know, Westerosi lenses and what, what's going through the Maester Gildane's head is about ableism. We, we I mean, we've touched on this mm-hmm. a little bit. We've got some blood purity and ableism in this section when it talks about looking for a new hand, because it literally is like, well, you know, um, Rego Draz, you're a foreigner, so we can't really can't do we can't it. really do you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What was the other one? There was another one before Rego Draz. That was another like foreign. Septon Barth is too lowborn. Yes, that's yeah, too lowborn. Yeah, that was yeah, the classism. Classism. Yeah. Um, 
Um, the kind of weird and blood then theory Alba- shit of like you gotta be you gotta be noble born in order to have like a high rank. Yeah, and then there's Alvin Massey, mm-hmm. who I thought was so interesting because he has like a I don't know, he has like a twisted back or something like Probably that. Probably scoliosis. Like something yeah, something like who yep. cares? Um, but it's it's a weird moment where like the text is almost aware of uh-huh. itself because apparently Lord Alvin Massey says like, "Look, I can't be your hand because." people will look at me and think I'm sinister. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm better to help you from the back. Like, I can't be up front mm-hmm. because people will think I'm spooky scary. Yep. And I'm like, this is exactly what happens later during the Dance with Dragons. Mm-hmm. Laris. Uh, with, um, with Laris. It's, it's like, he has a physical disability and therefore is spooky scary. And I'm like, but, Maester, you, you identified that. You identified it here. Why won't you know it later with Laris? Why won't you put it together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also made so me think really of Tyrion, this section. I had written it yeah. in my notes that it makes me think of Tyrion, that, like, that's part of why he struggles to succeed as Hand of the King in A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he's working uphill against Westerosi ableism. That, like, they look at, at bodies mm-hmm. that are, you know, not what they would probably consider, quote, non-standard in this kind of eugenics mm-hmm. way of, like, bodies are supposed to look supposed to look a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. You can hear my scare quotes. Um, mm-hmm. and anything that doesn't look like that, they're like, ooh, yeah, ooh, that's kind of scary. We don't and like they, it. They have the extra added issue of it potentially being, like, a magic and or god mm-hmm. thing. Where they're like, oh, the gods, like, punished you with your son being a little person. The god punished you somehow. Yeah. You know, the seven, there's magic because your spine is twisted. Mm-hmm. You know, like, stupid shit like that. So they add that, like, kind of uh magic element to mm-hmm. it right and yeah which is one of the things look like i'm not like a stannis stan by any means i do like mm-hmm. stannis a lot i think he's a very interesting character but i'm not like a one of the the big stan stands you don't like stannis the manis i do really? like St- okay look i like <laughs> stannis a lot actually probably a lot mm-hmm. more than you know i'm kind of in the middle anyway i like stannis i think he's really interesting and one of the mm-hmm. things i think is really interesting about stannis is he looks at Westeros, like, he looks at shit like that and is like, I don't give a fuck. Like, my mm-hmm. hand will be a lowborn, you know? Like, he looks mm-hmm. at Davos and is like, all right, like, sure, you're lowborn. Sure, you're missing some fingers. But you know what? You're the best man for the job. So yep. I'm going to put you in charge. And that is the thing mm-hmm. that I appreciate about Stannis, is that he looks at Westerosi, like, ableism and blood purity shit and is like mm-hmm. that's dumb <laughs> same with shireen uh-huh. same with his feelings about shireen yes he's not he's not like oh no my deformed daughter now i must i must away i cannot she can, he's like no she is my daughter she is the heir she will take over after me mm-hmm. like you know very like yeah he's not i mean part of that too i think he's like a very non-religious person yep and he doesn't buy into any of that kind of stuff. And I think he's very pragmatic. And once you start being pragmatic, things like classism fall away. Yep. Yes. Right. Because, mm-hmm. like, see, I, Stannis is fine. I don't have, like, strong opinions about Stannis either way. But I love Davos. I am a big mm-hmm. Davos fan. Uh, right. Because he's the best. He's the, he's the, I just love him. Anyway. Yeah. Not this book. Not this book, no. <laughs> but uh, Alban Massey was really interesting. Um, I yeah. like that note where he, yeah, was aware. Like, hey, I can't do this because they won't. <laughs> they won't like me so yeah. uh find somebody else so they do yeah um so yeah uh let's that's 
we've done some analysis in our uh, unpacking the Maester bias section, so let's get into a little bit, yeah. Let's get into some analysis of what happens. Yes, uh, Allison. This is an interesting bit. Does seem to be into equal preference primogenitor. Oh heck yeah! Because a couple of times in this section, and I think in the next section, she mentions um, Daenerys, mm-hmm. their oldest living child, becoming queen. Yep. And she says, like, she'll make a great queen someday. She's going to, one day you're going to be queen, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, is she? Uh-huh. What? Because if if that's, because let me just, Allison, let me just float a concept by you. If you're saying that your oldest child, the girl, should inherit, have you considered your sister, Reyna? <laughs> have you considered her daughter, Aria? Are we, have we thought about? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. I feel you, Allison. I know you want your daughter to, to rule. But I don't think you've played this out in your head mm-hmm. the whole way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. That's what I was yeah. thinking when I was... Re- I, I thought of the exact same thing as I'm reading this section where she's like, oh, what a great queen. And I'm like, oh, so you do... You do think that women should inherit if they're the firstborn. Interestingly, that seems to only apply to you, though. Yeah, unless the assumption was, like, I'm never going to have any sons. Right. Which, like, she's only 16 or 17, so she's going to have more kids. Of course kids. she's going to have nothing, more kids. Yeah, there's nothing to indicate she's not going to have, you know, mm-hmm. more children. So. Yeah, that, like, there's this, like, burgeoning tension that Alison is not aware of, of, like, that she wants things for her own family and life that mm-hmm. were denied to other women in her family and doesn't see that that creates tension. Yeah. Um, both, I think, within in her thought process for herself, that there's like a cognitive dissonance there that she's not recognizing. But also, this is going to create tension between her and Reyna. Like, I'm looking yeah. at this and going, oh, man, if Reyna knew anything about this, she mm. would be understandably really upset. Like, yeah, yeah. If I were Reyna and I found out that my younger sister was like walking around being like, oh, look at my future daughter, the queen, I'd be like, Excuse me. Hello. Hello. Where, yeah. were, where were you when I should have been at the Queen? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so fascinating. So I think part of it, too, is like an internalized misogyny aspect mm-hmm. of like only being able to see yourself and the women immediately connected to you yeah. as real. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same way like when men say things like, I support women's rights because like I have a, a wife and a daughter and they would. And it's like. You can support women without knowing any of them. Yeah, yeah. You don't actually you, have to have a daughter to like care about. You don't have to have a daughter to care about women having equal rights. It's a shocker, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you can care about people without having a personal connection to them. Mm-hmm. So, for for men, that's a misogyny thing. For women, it would be an internalized misogyny thing. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's certainly part of it. Right. The other thing is, if if Allison and Reyna had had a relationship, right. All of this would have been so different, you know, mm-hmm. like it would have been so different if the two of them had had been, had had the opportunity to be really siblings in the way that Allison and Jaharis are. First of all, then Allison wouldn't have been so isolated with Jaharis. Mm-hmm. And I think like if, if Allison knew the lessons that Reyna had already learned yeah. about the system, so much of this would be different. You know, mm-hmm. and like, honestly, if they had been like, if the three of them had been like siblings growing up and had actually had, had an actual relationship after 
uh, is it Aegon that Rhaenyra was married to? Yes. Right, because Aenys was the father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Aegon died, I think they would have supported Rhaenyra being queen because she already was queen mm-hmm. and had children. Yep. And Alicent seems op- very much open, if not in favor, of the concept of women inheriting. Mm-hmm. And it, this whole thing, this whole equal primogenitor thing could have been established if they had just had those personal relationships with each other. Yeah. Instead of being distanced. <clears throat> hmm Yeah, and it it strikes me also, I really like everything you're saying, that like, and, and then part of that isolation, I feel like, that there are parts in this section where Alisanne seems a bit naive. Yes. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself, like, she's still, like, 17 years old. Yeah. Because the text keep. I feel like the text forgets that they're still teenagers and kind of wants us to forget that, like, mm-hmm. Alison and Jaharis are, are still teenagers when all of this is happening. That, like, they're talking about them as if they're, like, fully formed adults. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as they become king and queen, like, oh, yes, fully formed adults. Mm-hmm. These are adult people making adult decisions, you know. They're like no, these are kids. These are they're the age where they're getting ready to go to prom. Yes, yes, these That's are still the teenagers. Yeah. So when I'm reading this and I see Alison just being like, "Well, but you know, your daughter is just really sad and angry because mm-hmm. she doesn't understand." And I'm like, "Oh, sweet baby, oh sweet baby, Alison!" Like, oh my gosh, I mean, she like, thinks that she thinks she can go to Dragonstone and be like a comfort. Yes, to this woman she doesn't know. Uh huh. In this circumstance that's so wildly complicated and traumatic. Uh-huh. I mean, she's got no shot. There's no chance that Allison could be helpful. Mm-hmm. And for, for any of them. Yeah. You know? The one thing she could have done was she could have just taken Arya back to King's Landing. Yep. Yeah. She could have just said, I'm the queen, I'm taking her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be here. You're a bitch. She's a pain in the ass. This is a bad combination. <laughs> I'm going to take her back. You know, let me just, just do, we'll do it for two weeks. Let's do two weeks. Let's see how it goes. Uh-huh. You come to visit. We'll figure it out. You know, like she could have just taken her. Right. What would Reyna have done? You know? And, but I mean, the fact that like she's trying to be conciliatory, you know, she's trying mm-hmm. to be Alison the conciliator. Yep. And no one could have, if Jaharis could have gone over there, nothing would have happened. Yeah. Like there's no way to fix you can't go in and fix that rift. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm having a thought of like, Jaharis and Alisan are like teenagers who mm-hmm. happen to come to power in a time where like so far everything they've done has worked. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of that, I mean, some of that is they are they have help making really good decisions Mm -hmm. and some of that is like people are ready to calm down yeah you know like westeros is ready to not be fighting (laughs) after Mm -hmm. magor and so it but i can imagine when you're you know 16 17 years old and you step in and you're just like okay everybody stop fighting and everyone's like Whew, okay, yeah i don't want to fight anymore yeah totally that you could get this sense of like wow we're really good at this Mm, yeah i just have to show up and tell people things and they do Mm -hmm. it and it i'm looking at like when you were just talking i was like oh that's a little bit what alisanne is doing like she and jaharis like so far in their reign have just been able to step in and say things and people do it and Mm -hmm. i imagine that that's what alisanne was expecting to do is just come in and just be like look 
let's everybody calm down and let's talk and let's, you know, you know, like, listen, Raina, like, I know you're really sad, but also like areas really sad and struggling and maybe you need to get your house in order. Like maybe if you just mm-hmm. like throw yourself into a project, like my husband and I like to do that, maybe it'll have help you, you feel tried better. Taking, have you tried taking a walk out in the sun when you're feeling depressed? <laughs> have you tried to you touch don't grass? Need- you, yeah, you don't need medication or therapy or anything. Have you thought about just being happier? Right. How about that? Have you tried, like, going for a run, you know? Yeah. Like, go run, go for a run, <laughs> hydrate, um, and then, like, you won't feel as sad that all of your friends and lovers just got murdered by your husband. Right. It's fine. It'll be fine. I on the same note, I think Alisanne's really used to being liked. Yes. Everyone likes Alisanne. And mm-hmm. as a person, per- personally, who was a little golden child pain in the ass that uh, everybody liked, uh, it's a rude awakening when you come into the real world and suddenly people don't like you. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay for people not to like you. Uh-huh. And sometimes they shouldn't like you. Sometimes you don't want people to like you. There are certain people I don't want them to like me. Um, but it's definitely an adjustment. And I think that's the age at which that begins to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where you begin to... And particularly in Allison's position where she's in power and she can she can do things yeah. that will make people not like her. Like, for example, like I was saying, taking Arya. Mm-hmm. She didn't do that because Reyna said no. Mm-hmm. But Reyna doesn't really have the power to say yeah. that. Yeah, no. If if Alison wanted if, to, she could have just done it. Right. She's the queen. The king and queen could just summon her back to King's Landing and that would have been it. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but Alison is still wants to be liked yeah you know and i think that will change over time Mm -hmm. for her as her reign goes on as she gets older yeah yeah and i think reyna is past wanting to be liked reyna's like (laughs) does not give a shit (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh um yeah i i was i grew up feeling much more like reyna like isolated and Mm -hmm. no one really likes me and feeling Mm -hmm. like a weirdo who doesn't really kind of know how to talk to people and I remember there was a moment where I had a very similar situation happen with my, but it was, but it, but the ages were flipped. I was the youngest and my sister was the oldest, but mm-hmm. she was the, like, um, she fit much better into the, like, Christian system that we were raised in. So she was a lot more conventionally feminine and she was a lot more conventionally beautiful and um, was much more popular. I had a really easy time making friends. Everyone liked Heidi. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember at a point, there was a point where she, something had, ha- I had experienced, I think it was right after my, one of my miscarriages and she was trying to, like, doing the same thing. She was trying to comfort me and I was just like, Heidi, you have everything I want or like everything yeah. I thought I wanted. Like, you, you're married, you have a couple of kids, you've got, you know, everyone likes you, you've always had friends, like you're successful doing things that I have been trying to do for years and haven't been able to get success at. I, you know, that Mm -hmm. like I worked really hard to get like a master's degree in this field and you just like showed up and started doing it and people Mm -hmm. are like throwing money at you. Like what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but like nothing you can say can make me feel better because like your life has been so much easier than mine. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had to fight and struggle to get everything that I want and I still don't have the things that like I have been fighting for and from the outside, looking at your life, you just had everything handed to you. So, like, there's nothing you can say to make me feel better right now. Just, like, mm-hmm. fuck off. And and that's <laughs> a symptom of the patriarchy, both in real life and in and the books, right? right? Is that, like, the system is telling you you need to be a particular way. Yep. 
And so when some people are successful at it and some people aren't, it's like, you can't be comforted by the people that are successful at it. Mm -mm. It's like, oh, gr th thanks. I'll just, I'll just be better. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just do, I'll just do it like you, you know, like that, that's ridiculous. And we see that, we see this, um, with, um, in A Song of Ice and Fire proper with the Stark sisters. Yep. Yep. Sansa and Arya. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are the exact same way. Yep. Yeah, my first read through A Song of Ice and Fire, I deeply related to Arya as, like, the younger sibling yeah. who didn't fit in. Um, but what's interesting is once they get to King's Landing, um, I started relating a lot more to Sansa because I ended mm -hmm. up in um, a marriage with a lot of coercive control and mm. manipulation and abuse in that way. And so mm. I deeply related to Sansa's experience of being someone who is manipulated and controlled and mm -hmm. having everyone around her believe that they know how to get how she should have avoided it or get out of it or you know and yep. especially the fandom being like well why didn't you just leave like everything about the fandom about Sansa was like I related to that suddenly I related to that more than mm -hmm. Arya having actually escaped and doing her like you know journey through being and discovering being an assassin but yeah. um so I relate to both of them but in slightly different ways but in the very mm -hmm. beginning when it's that dynamic of like the older sister who like perfectly fits into what patriarchy's expectations and the younger sister who's just like I don't know I don't I don't get this this doesn't make sense to me I don't feel mm -hmm. feminine and I don't want to do it and everyone thinks I should and I hate mm -hmm. it and can't I just be me was like <laughs> that was I was mm -hmm. like oh look my childhood <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's brilliant for Martin to include this dichotomy so frequently because it is something that so frequently happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like, I think Sans is a good example. Like you're talking about the the coercive relationship. I've I've never been married, but I've been, I was in uh, a rather emotionally and mentally abusive relationship uh, for a few years with someone, and so I had the ex a similar experience to Sansa, where it's like I was checking checking all the boxes I was supposed to. Yeah, right. I was doing all the things right per the list provided mm -hmm. but the person was still fucking crazy mm -hmm. and nothing i could do could control them even though there was nothing i was doing wrong yeah and like sansa's arc of coming to realize like oh it wasn't me he was just an asshole mm -hmm. is such a realistic thing yeah and i think is similar to kind of what allison is beginning to encounter here with reina mm -hmm. where alison's having kind of like her first failure like as you pointed out yeah. like she showed up thinking she was going to make it all better and realizing you can't you can't change people around you mm -hmm. you can't fundamentally change them mm -hmm. you just have to work with how they are and i think alison's going to come to realize that over time and it's it's fascinating mm -hmm. to see on page because it is so realistic and so relatable yeah you know, and here we're getting it from this sort of historical perspective, as opposed to a song of us and fire proper, where we get into everyone's heads and we sort of see that, mm -hmm. like in, with Sansa and with Arya, sort of firsthand as as their brains develop over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and here we're sort of getting it. I mean, we're reading, we're reading into, we're reading into like what really happened. Yep. You know, and I I think that's a brilliant aspect of the text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's actually a really good segue into the next point that I had down, which which was Aria and how much like Aria she is. It's the same name, George. <laughs> it's Just the same it name. Because <laughs> yeah, you say, you say, you often say this name as Aria. I do. It, that's how it. How else are you supposed to say it? Aria? Yeah, I say it. I only say it as Aria because it 
to distinguish it's Aria. It from Aria. <laughs> I see what you're doing, George. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, you, you have a great, great quote here from the book describing yeah. her. So page 220, she is a willful child who defied her septa, her mother, and her maesters alike, abused her servants, absented herself from prayers, lessons, and meals without leave, and addressed the men and women of Reina's court with such charming names as Sir Stupid, Lord Pigface, and Lady Farts a lot. And I was like, oh, look, it's Arya Stark. I will say though, Arya was not ever rude to servants. Yes, that yeah, she, she was. was not. She was. She didn't have. Arya never had that classism thing. She rejected that classism thing. Mm-hmm. So she that that that's like a very big redeeming quality of Arya Stark, in my opinion. Yes. Um. But yeah, this is basically everything else. This is Arya Stark. <laughs> I see what you did there, George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um. We also get more information about Arya in this section. Sort of, we've speculated why their relationship was so strained mm-hmm. in the past. And she confirms in this section that it's that her mom abandoned her and she yeah. feels abandoned a lot. And then when Alyssa Farman leaves, it's another person abandoning her. And yeah. then Allison comes and leaves. It's another person. I mean, it's one after the other, this poor kid mm-hmm. with her abandonment trauma, just that, must be so lonely. Yeah. That's one of the things I really like about this section is because even though Gildane doesn't lay it out for us, like, we get enough clues that we can start looking into the story and and seeing that this situation is really tragic and it's not easy to villainize one or the other. Like, yes, Reyna is traumatized and hurting because everyone she loves has either left her or dead. Mm. Or like, ev- basically everyone she loves is dead except for one person who left her and stole her dragon eggs. Mm-hmm. Um... She suffered a lot of loss and, like, clearly wanted to have to keep people around her because of that feeling of loss that she didn't want to lose other people. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like, Aria or Aria is like, right, but like, you abandoned me when I was a baby and then took mm-hmm. me from the only thing that I really like. I loved King's Landing, I loved being the heir, I loved being in court, and you took me from that. That, like, it, mm-hmm. you can see where both mother and daughter are coming from, mm-hmm. and that. Both of them are struggling to see the other person and the other person's pain, which, like, makes sense for a child. Like, she's 13. Like, mm-hmm. I don't expect a 13-year-old to be able to look at their parent and be like, ah, yes, I see all of your trauma and pain and that makes it okay. And I understand it in all of its complexities. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, their 13-year-old wouldn't be able to. I Normally, in this kind of situation, I would put more of the onus on the parent yep. just because of the age. Yes. However... Reyna didn't abandon Arya willingly. Yes. She didn't say, I don't want you, or I'm busy doing some shit, or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna go do something dumb, like go to the Battle of the God's Eye. You know, like, she didn't, (laughs) she didn't do any of those things. Mm -hmm. She, she had to hide them away for their safety. Mm -hmm. You know, so it wasn't like, so because of that, I really, I I agree. I think they're very much on equal playing field. It's not like one to blame over the other. It's just Mm -hmm. a, a wildly unfortunate series of circumstances that brought them here and it's not either of them having character flaws it's Mm -hmm. it's them suffering under the patriarchy yeah i mean that's what it is the the enemy is the patriarchy yeah and they're so similar like that's the other part of this that like i of course because i love angst like love (laughs) love this that like especially this parent child dynamic happening right here like i know yeah i know that kylie and julia would love this too because they love like the tragic like the tragic irony of like when parents when a parent and child are very similar and it is Mm -hmm. in fact our similarities that make it hard for them to see each other 
Mm-hmm. They're uh, foils, right? Yes. Isn't that what a foil is? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the way that they, they love the Martells and the way that like Doran and um, Ariane are very similar people. And like, yes, but that's yes. part of why they are struggling to see each other because of like the way that their their personalities interact mm-hmm. with each other. And I feel like the same thing's happening here. That like, yes, Arya and Reyna are very similar, very similar, like personality wise, I think like maybe not when when Reyna was younger, but like the current Reyna as like being someone who's like, I don't know, they're both they're both struggling with like feelings of loneliness Mm-hmm. And isolation. isolation and wanting to be around like wanting to feel like they're connected and part of a community mm-hmm. and with people who love them and feeling disempowered wanting to be wanting to be important yes wanting wanting to have purpose mm-hmm. you know i mean aria says i really liked being in court i really liked being the heir yep like she had a purpose for uh, t- 12 years of her life uh-huh. until princess Daener- daenerys was born and lived yep you know yep and is is also now dealing with that mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah because Arya is um an extension of her mother's patriarchal resentment like that like mm-hmm. in the same way that Reyna resents that the, that she was the oldest child and was not allowed to inherit Arya does too that like she yeah. was actually the heir for a hot minute and not just a hot minute mm-hmm. for a while she was the heir to the iron throne and then all of that's taken away from her and like what does she have left that like oh, she. Gosh, I wonder what they would have done with the with the inheritance if if Arya had been a boy. Oh God. Mm. What would they have done? I don't know. I don't. know. I feel like Aegon's son would be the one that inherits after Aegon. I feel like until it wouldn't have been tricky until Aemon was until the next child was born if it was a boy. That like I feel like if. But I feel like I feel like if if. If Aegon and Reyna's child had been a boy, mm-hmm. I don't think Jaehaerys and Alicent would have ever been crowned. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So I think there's there's also potentially a level of resentment, whether whether Rhaenyra is aware of this or not. But, like, a resentment that she has these twins, and they're both girls, mm-hmm. and politically they're useless to her. Yep. You know, like, when she looks at her daughter, it's like, here's... A, a daughter who got me nowhere like i did the things i got married i had the children yeah. and my efforts are fruitless mm-hmm. and then here's my fucking sister who did the same fucking thing and also has a daughter and her kids the heir like you know yep. like that yeah i must add to all of yeah. that as well the similarity you know? of the situation of like the firstborn child is a daughter but like yeah alisanne gets to her daughter gets to be the heir because mm-hmm. she's married to jaharis whereas because Aegon was never officially crowned king, my daughter is completely like both me and my daughter are completely sidelined. This, yeah, yeah, oh, it's so complicated. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and like it's so messy, and there's there's they're so similar, and they're like, and they just cannot see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the the tragic irony of that. Um, it's just delicious to me. <laughs> I do. I love that. That this is why I'm saying like this would be a great mini series as well. Like to. The kind of com- conversations these two could have of- with each other right. would be so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the like, oh, I would chef's kiss. It would be great. All right, so yeah, let's talk about Reina. Let's talk more about Reina. Oh my gosh, let's talk more Reina. Okay, sure, if you Ooh. insist. <laughs> yeah, like this section. I was thinking about even the fact that because you you made the joke like she's got so many girlfriends. I'm like, oh, even that just mm-hmm. feels like she's. This is a response to 
Alyssa leaving her. Yeah. That she's doing a like, I'll just, I'll just have all the girlfriends then. I'll just. Yeah. Fuck you. I don't need you. I'll just have these dozen women. Yeah. That uh-huh. I cycle through. Including, and I like you put this in your notes because I was thinking this too. One of her new favorites is 14 years old. <gasps> Whoopsie doodle, Raina. It's, yeah. That's, that's Yikes, weird. Raina. Yikes. <laughs> that's the age of your daughter, Raina. Yeah. Let's not. I'm not okay let's with not. that. Let's not and say we did. Um, let's let's not not say we did. Yeah. Let's just not. Yeah, let's just not. So yeah, I we will call out our girl Raina. Don't yeah. don't have a fourteen year old girlfriend. Whatever your no. gender is, don't date a fourteen year old. Unless you are also fourteen. Yeah. That is In which case go go for it. Yep, have fun. Um But yeah, like she ugh, everything about this situation. I mean, I said this earlier, but I do I do really like that she wanted to protect the small folk, I think that's a nice mm-hmm. touch because I think it would be easy to lose sight of Reyna as a political figure because so much of this uh, yeah. is personal. I think that's a really good a really good evidence of the fact that w- when there is a political thing happening, she knows how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, she is a good politician at the end of the day. Right. You know. Um, I did like the detail about Balerion, uh, the fact that Arya takes Balerion, the biggest boy, mm-hmm. and Reyna immediately immediately interprets that as a slight against her because mm-hmm. rain is like valerian's the dragon that killed my husband her father like why would she take valerian but for to hurt me like uh-huh. it must be all about me yeah and like just how toxic their relationship has become mm-hmm. and like i don't know that aria took i don't think aria thought that deeply about it i think aria said the biggest dragon mm-hmm. and took the biggest available dragon Right. You know, who else would be available? Vagar? Yeah. Vagar's around at this point. Vagar's around. Or uh, Hatchling, because that's what Reyna says. is like, oh, she didn't want a Hatchling. She didn't want a young dragon. She wanted, like, an old dragon. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was going to steal a dragon, I would also probably steal one that previously had a rider. Mm-hmm. Because it, I think it has more likelihood of accepting another one. Right. You know? Right, and this gets into what, I mean, we can talk about it now, but I put it down in the theme section, is like... um. She takes Valerian. There's, I mean, to me, it's actually really highly. I don't, I think that it is about Big Dragon, but also I think it is about um, claiming the symbols of power. Mm-hmm. That, like literally on the heels of having a conversation with Alisande. So Alisande comes and she has a conversation with with Arya. Where Arya, where, you know, as you said earlier, Arya, Arya is like, I'm lonely, I'm abandoned. I just want to go back to King's Landing. Um, mm-hmm. Alyssa Farben said she was going to take me with her. Then she left me here too. Um, like, I just, you know, why can't I be the heir anymore? And immediately after, she claims the dragon that belonged to Aegon the Conqueror. Conqueror, yeah. That, like, this feels to me at least a little bit like at, at least a part of what she's trying to do is take back the power that she, she perceives as being taken from her. That mm-hmm. is like, maybe if I claim... The most, the oldest and most powerful dragon, the dragon of Aegon the Conqueror. Maybe then I can try and get some of my power back. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. She's thirteen, so I don't know how deeply she's thinking about. Like, I don't. I don't think she was thinking about hurting mom by taking a particular no. dragon. No, that I don't think. I could see her being like, you know, okay, fine. You don't want me to be the heir. Like, you want this baby to be the heir. Well, fuck you. I ride Balerion. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that. The last, the last person who kind of usurped the throne, Magor, he rode Balerion. Yep, same. So and it was, and like... it was 
for the same reason too. Like yeah. he claimed Balerion because everyone knows, like short of claiming, like Balerion is claiming Balerion is like claiming dark, like Dark Sister or um, mm-hmm. what is Aegon's sword? Um, Dark Sister and oh shit. Oh God no! Damn it. Why can't my brain come up with it's it? It's not Oathkeeper. That's Brienne's nope. sword. Um, is and my brain wants to say Blackfire, but like I don't think it's actually Blackfire. That's the name of no. a branch of the Targaryen bastard. All right, are you gonna look it up? We're de- uh, dedicated to dedicated to accuracy on this podcast. Yep. It's, yeah, it is Blackfire. Not- okay. Oh, okay. Then he just really yeah. What is that? Does not jog anything in my brain. Okay, so yeah, like claiming Balerion would be like claiming. Blackfire or Dark Sister. It's a way to mm-hmm. like claim it's one of the most potent symbols of Targaryen power. Right. And inheritance of like, well, if you have this, you're pro you should probably be in charge. So I don't mm-hmm. know that that was the only reason that you claim Balerion, but I do like to my mind, like it feels really potent as mm-hmm. a symbol that like she's definitely like thinking about the fact that she's no longer the heir to the Iron Throne, and that's really distressing to her. And when she claims a dragon, she doesn't just claim any dragon. She claims the dragon right. of Aegon the Conqueror. Right. She claims the dragon of the person who, mm-hmm. who made the Iron Throne. Right. And, yeah. like, and I can't understand... The person who built the gaming chair. Yes. 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 <laughs> and I can't understand why Reyna's response both is to, like, make it about her. And, like, because, like, Balerion, like... I would imagine that for Reyna, Balerion has, like, that there's some trauma attached to Balerion as a dragon. Like. Yeah, I mean, he did eat her husband. He did eat her husband. And and and, kill kill another dragon. He's the only dragon so far that has killed another dragon. Yeah, and he's the dragon that Magor rode, who was, like, her, Mm -hmm. the man who forcibly married her and serially sexually assaulted her. Like, I, I would... I could see that there would be some pain attached to that. And she might feel like mm-hmm. choosing Balerion was, like, would be painful for her to see her yeah. daughter riding the dragon that, that like, is associated with so much pain and trauma in her own life. Yeah. Um, that said, I think that the fact that, like, they can't see each other, right? Like, their mm-hmm. flaws are the same and they can't see each other. Right. That's why I think Arya didn't even think of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arya did. It, like, it was just, it was, a, for so for Reyna, this is all about Reyna. Yep. For Arya, it's all about Arya. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't, they can't connect the two of them. Yeah. Because of the, the walls around them from their uh, various traumas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And underneath all of Reyna's rage, and I think it's true for Arya as well, is this, like, grief and fear and pain um but i think yeah. for reyna we see a lot of rage and the text Gil- the way gildane tells the story like zeroes in on a lot of her rage mm-hmm. um and really highlights her rage um and she is really angry but like mm-hmm. underneath all of that anger is like anger is how she is responding to feeling powerless because of all her grief and all of her fear is she's responding with rage yeah um and I just, I, yeah, I just want to bring that out because that's not something that Gildane focuses on. He does not really. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the fact that, like, her rage is treated as a negative thing, whereas, like, Jaehaerys, if you recall, mm-hmm. after Alysanne was attacked, Jaehaerys was furious. Yeah. And that was the correct response for Jaehaerys, mm-hmm. even though his furious response was to run away. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh-huh. 
He's like, I'm so bad, I'm going home. Like, uh-huh. I'm turning this dragon around. <laughs> you know, so angry, like, so angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, our girl Reyna. Yeah, yeah. But I, the the final thing that, and this is something that connects to um, a song of ice and fire, is this um, when Reyna is like terrified and upset after Arya steals Balerion, um, she says. What did I give birth to? What kind of beast? I ask you, what did I give birth to? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Alisanne very helpfully is like, she's just a sad little girl. And, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you are correct, Alisanne, but that's probably not the right response. That's probably not a helpful yeah. response right there. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Even if you're right. But that makes me think of Daenerys in A Song of Ice and Fire and the whole mother mm-hmm. of monsters mythology. That there's this, oh. like, mother, you know, like mother of monsters Mm -hmm. theme that runs through i think especially the targaryen women um but yeah just that idea of like danny looking at the dragons and going like you know i am the mother of monsters and that's kind of what reyna is doing here is like my child is a monster like i had given Mm -hmm. birth to something monstrous Mm -hmm. um and I wonder, I mean, I, I wonder what that theme does, ultimately, what it, I, I think one practical effect it has is, like, the fact that there is this mythology that, like, Targaryen women do occasionally, like, give birth to literal dragon babies <laughs> and or monster babies uh-huh. is one of the reasons I think that Daenerys in A Game of Thrones is so willing to accept that that's what happened to her yeah. with the baby she gave birth to. Mm-hmm. Because if you read those passages, she, and this is, I, well, this is the hill I die on with this baby. There was, the baby was fine. Yep. Yeah. She gave birth to a fine baby. I agree. Mary killed that baby. Mm-hmm. Because we never see it. Yeah. We never see it. Uh-huh. Danny just wakes up after many days of being, like, unconscious. And Jorah's like, it was really spooky scary in that tent. And Mary Mazdora's like, your baby was born with leather wings and a tail and his skin fell away and he was full of gray worms and, you know, he was never alive. Oh, no. And no one is ever like, where's the body? Yep. Mm-hmm. Can we see him? Can we maybe look upon him? What did you do with right. it? Right. And it's Nothing. yeah, and it's like super suspicious that she's like, "Oh yeah, the baby that represent, you know, that I, that in my own personal worldview represents the domination of my people." Mm-hmm. Um just so happens to have been born a monster and is no longer alive anymore. Mhm. But that long lineage that Dan- Daenerys is aware of, uh-huh. she's like, of course I had a monster baby. This happens to Targaryens. And when you listen to the fandom, the fandom's like, oh yeah, every now and then that happens. Like, no, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It's fake. Yeah. And you and we talked about this on that, that House of the Dragon episode when I came on to Unabashed Book yeah. Snobbery that like, you and I were both like, oh, damn it. They made the monster babies real. Like. Yeah. Because yeah. like, I also agree. I don't think that the monster babies are a real thing. I think it's, I think it's myth. Um, at most it's at most it's like some you know very premature births uh-huh. you know mixed with some incest issues yeah right and then they said they said but we're gonna put dragon magic on top of it yeah we're gonna pretend this is a special dragon baby that yeah that like it's another way that, that makes the targaryens closer to gods than men is like they don't have right when they have you know traumatic childbirths where like the you know if their babies are born malformed they have magical ones Mm-hmm. You know, like art, like normal people have premature babies in one way, but the Targaryens have them in a special way. Yeah. Special magic way. Special magic Definitely. dragon baby. So I think that, that that whole, that's really interesting to sort of think about 
mother to monsters as both this like sort of targaryen mythos Mm -hmm. alongside like the fact that there are actual very bad targaryens who are monstrous yes right they're not actual monsters they're humans Mm -hmm. that act monstrous visenya would be a mother to a monster right because magor Mm -hmm. you know king Ares ends up being you know mad or whatever like there are those people and there's somebody's their mom everybody gets born right Mm -hmm. so there's some person that gave birth to them so it's a it's a definitely i think it's really interesting to think about it like like that yep yeah that they're, yes that like the symbolism that's important is not like whether or not the 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 malformed targaryen babies are actual literal dragon babies like that's not right. the monster that matters <laughs> right that's not the, i think that's the point it's like that's you're getting distracted yeah by these like mythological monsters but the actual like are, you know, it's kind of like every zombie story has the same theme. Every zombie story is who are the real monsters? Yeah. Is it the zombies what or the people? If, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. if the real <laughs> monsters are the people, not the zombies? What if the real monsters are us? Oh, no. That's the theme <laughs> for literally every zombie story. It's true. <laughs> um, it drives me crazy. Uh, but it's kind of some, It's or sort yes. of similar here. Yeah. 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 What if the real monsters are the human beings that are born? Um, what if the real monsters are the friends we made along the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you want to talk about Andrew Farman? Oh my gosh, Andrew yeah, Farman? let's come back to, to poor Andrew Farman. Yeah, you've got some theories about Andrew Farman. Tell me your thoughts about just, Andrew Farman. I am just beginning to formulate these theories, and I haven't thought about it super deeply, but but perhaps you can help me mm-hmm. flesh it out more. I always interpreted Andrew Farman as just like, kind of like a lazy loser kind of dude. Yep. Like, he just like, he doesn't want to do anything, he doesn't want to work at anything, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. But we're but that's how the text presents him yeah. as we're talking about it. The text presents him as just like a man who failed at the patriarchy, mm-hmm. and therefore is bad. And that's kind of a basic reading. Yep. I don't think it's impossible to read it that way. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of like, that's that's what the text wants me to think. So I want to think about other ways this could be. Yeah. And there was a detail that kind of got me on something. the The text says explicitly that Andrew Farman, an adult man, because he was seventeen when they got married. And it's, this is five years later, so he's 22 mm-hmm. at this point. Yep. Um, he cannot read. Now, not being able to read in Westeros is not uncommon at all, but not being able to read as a lord's son in Westeros mm. is strange. That is mm-hmm. out of the ordinary. Because he would have had access as a child right. to maesters and education and he would have been formally trained in all the ways that like the rich people are and it's like you know classism is part of the is education being withheld whatever mm-hmm. and every now and then we encounter a lord who can't read so again like it's not impossible right but that detail got me thinking does does andrew farman have like a developmental disability of some kind mm. because not only can he not read but he also can't do anything yeah he can't fight he he doesn't have any talents. He can kind of ride a horse. He doesn't sail. He's not doesn't he doesn't do anything. There aren't activities for him. The only thing he's given are menial tasks. And I'm wondering if he was relegated to that because of the fact part part of the fact being that he was not mentally able to do anything else and no one was willing to help him. Like there were no accommodations made to try to make up for that for him you know what i mean yeah and if that's part of the frustration here and part of why maybe reyna targeted him right as a husband right because one thing yes i really like that because it it would help explain his also help explain his lack of ambition 
Because that's mm-hmm. always been a thing that struck me about Andrew Farman. Um, that, of course, would have struck Reyna as well and clearly was appealing to her that, like, he did not try to take any power from her. He didn't seem mm-hmm. interested in that. And, like, that's not, like, a smoking gun, but it is highly unusual mm-hmm. for a young man under patriarchy especially from what we've seen for a younger son under patriarchy mm-hmm. because typically the way Martin writes a lot of younger sons is that the younger sons if anything are spicier <laughs> like yes because they're trying to make something yes they have to they have to like push yeah to get something exactly like if anything yeah. like your younger son is more likely to be like highly ambitious and maybe hyper masculine like i'm thinking Mm -hmm. like a daemon targaryen who's like yeah my like people pleasing um genial older brother who just wants everyone to like him but gets all the power anyway like i have to prove that i'm more masculine in order Mm -hmm. to have you know to have any kind of power because he just got it handed to him because he's older so like in order to prove that i should have power and authority i have to like take it for myself same with Otto mm-hmm. Hightower, that most of the time, younger sons are, like, more scheming. Yeah, they're, like, working hungry. the system more, because yeah. they have to. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, the, I mean, the fact that, like, Reyna was just looking for a husband to control. Yeah. And that would have been easy to control. Yeah, uh, or a and... husband who, at the very least, didn't fight. Right. And... That she could just, like, you know. Neglect. I mean, really neglect, control him. And what better person than a man who has, I I don't don't know if it would be, like, if he would be developmentally disabled or, like, what exactly we're talking about because we don't have enough, I think, information Mm -hmm. on page to know, which is another interesting point, which I'll get back to. But the the fact that she, I mean, we know she is super politically savvy, Mm -hmm. right? Like, she's super smart. Right. And she could identify that and be like, boom, perfect. Right. That's my, that's like my target. And if that's the case, what that says about Reyna, both in her scheming to do that and then in her treatment of him yeah. being so poor, mm-hmm. that's like mm. really, really shitty of her. Yep. Like, like super extra shitty. Yep. If that's the circumstance, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in too is the way the text talks about him. So in, in A Song of Ice and Fire proper, we have Lala Stokeworth, yep. who seems to be developmentally disabled. Mm-hmm. And what's the language that Martin uses for her that she's... Oh, shoot. Is it simple? It? Simple is, yeah, I think the primary way that they talk about her. Okay. Um, the primary way the characters in the universe talk about her. Uh-huh. The, the narrative just describes her as a person, but the characters in the universe refer to her that way. Mm-hmm. The maester here does not identify Andrew mm-hmm. as being someone like lawless in this universe right um and i and that could be because he wasn't mm-hmm. or that could be that the maester doesn't know um or that could be that the maester is ignoring that fact because he's a man yep you know and that that we were talking about that bias before of him being very biased against andrew it would be a lot harder to rag on andrew and villainize him that much if he was also developmentally disabled right and Reyna had taken advantage of him you know so I was saying before, I'm kind of like an Andro protector in a way, because I do think this reading is possible. Mm-hmm. And if that is the reading, that is like, that means that she's been abusing this person who uh, 
she could that she had the power to abuse especially given his situation Mm -hmm. and that's like super fucked up of her you know right yeah i think that that's really interesting to say that there's at least something going on with the fact that like he is so passive Mm -hmm. um and like doesn't make doesn't make any attempt to find anything to do. He only does menial tasks. He's a cupbearer for them. Yeah. And he occasionally rides a horse. Yeah. And he plays with the painted table. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like and yeah. and and it's it seems it's really striking to have a male character be so um lethargic. <laughs> Mm -hmm. like it's hard to find a good word and just be like well he's not doing anything but like i don't want to criticize the like well he's not doing anything as if like well you got to do things because you know be productive and stuff. it's just that like it's so striking to have kind of any character Mm -hmm. just not do stuff yeah absolutely not do anything um Mm -hmm. not have like at least some kind of hobby or I mean, it's striking to have people or... in real life. It's striking to have people in real life who don't do anything. Right. That usually means that they're depressed and something's going on. Right. You right. Know? Which was one of the things that I put down was like, you know, like, sure, it like sucks to be like arm candy, which he clearly just seems to be like he's a beard and like he's barely mm-hmm. even like a beard anymore. Like, and for a while he was kind of like arm candy, but like everyone knows he's not even a consort. That's what they say. Like, he's not even mm-hmm. a consort. Like, they're not even fucking. Right. And he has no political power. He's just there to provide the thinnest veneer. Like, I feel like he's mostly just there so that Jaharis doesn't bug Reyna into marrying somebody. Yeah. I don't even know at this point that Jaharis would, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, I guess that, that is the other option is that he's just, like, very depressed. Yes. You know. But, like you were saying, with with second and third sons, they are usually more up and at them mm-hmm. within the patriarchy to do stuff. Right. And I think just, like... Westeros is not a place where if you have any kind of difference about you, there's a big support system for you. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you're different, like we were talking about before with Tyrion and um, the the other guy on the council, as soon as there's something different about you, you begin to get ostracized right away. And someone like Tyrion is lucky because he's, you know, got this difference about him, but he's born into this like very wealthy family Mm -hmm. that is able to make sure that he has things like the ability to ride a horse and education. Uh, the ability to marry, you know, all of these things mm-hmm. that he has. I don't know how much Andro. I mean, Andrew's born into a more lordly family too, which is great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like efforts were made to make sure that he developed skills mm-hmm. that he would need. You know, you can be, you can have an all gamut of, of, of developmental delays and be taught how to read right. and be taught how to, sail and be taught how you just you need accommodations which is totally fine they exist well now they exist they didn't exist in westeros so and i think that's for me reading it now thinking about it it kind of looks like someone who went through the system but didn't get the accommodations they needed Mm -hmm. it's actually interesting that this comes up now because i recently have a i have a new client of mine who um i'm trying i've gotten him into a our program which is a a drug treatment program through the courts, basically. And he's a lovely man. 
but he can't read. And I've actually been researching things about like adult literacy because we're trying to find him in class and stuff because he wants to learn. Yeah. But basically he was pushed through the public school system just like, and they just handed him a diploma because. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, whatever, just you've graduated, congratulations. And I'm like, what are you going to do when you're born into poverty and mm-hmm. you get addicted to drugs and you can't read? And he said, like, that's a big problem because he can't apply for jobs. Right. Yeah. You know, he can't even fill out application. So he's a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that fa- that tracks perfectly, actually. That makes right? perfect sense. So, like, looking at someone like that, I'm like, the system failed. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with the system here mm-hmm. that didn't catch this problem. And I feel like Andrew Farman is sort of the same way. Like, he needed more yeah. from his family. And he just didn't get it. And then Raina comes in when he's young. He's 17. Mm-hmm. And here she is, twice a widow already, with kids and everything. Like, one of the most politically savvy minds of the age. And just takes advantage of that. Mm-hmm. You know? And isolates him on Dragonstone. I, and I just think that... Yeah. To me, to me, that reading makes more sense than just, like... Mm-hmm. He was lazy. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, like, he was lazy and mediocre and resented the fact that he wasn't involved. Because, like, his final speech where he's, like, basically, like, you didn't include me in anything and everyone made fun of me. <clears throat> so I had a right to kill everyone. Um, Like, at one level, it, like, kind of reads like a classic incel. Yeah. Like, speech of, like... Yeah. No one included me, and I felt really left out, and no one liked me, and so I decided to murder a bunch of people. Um, mm-hmm. But in this situation, like, it's... That feels like, yeah, that's the surface reading, but also, like, it does feel like it's more complicated than that. Like, he probably... F- like, I'm not saying he, that Andrew didn't feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't feel like he was being left out and neglected because he was like he was being left out and neglected now mm-hmm. the response to that should not be violence against women but as you brought up like under patriarchy like this is the expected response mm-hmm. to men feeling disempowered is is to look to the women in his environment that could be to blame and do violence mm-hmm. to them yeah um but that doesn't necessarily have to mean that the pathway to get there is one that we recognize as like, oh, yeah, he's just like an incel who didn't, you know, who mm-hmm. who felt entitled to everything and didn't get it. Because, mm-hmm. like, we have no other evidence that he felt entitled to everything just because he's such a non, like, it keeps saying a non-person. But that's just because he's, mm-hmm. like, barely in the story. And when he's in the story, he doesn't do anything. Right, exactly. That's the thing. Is that, And I think that... If you look at some of those scenes and imagine instead that he's he's got some kind of developmental delay mm-hmm. and he's saying things like, I want to help with thus and such or like make he asks to be like the commander or something on Dragonstone or whatever. Uh-huh. And the women all laugh at him. Yeah. I mean, that's like they're the villains in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I I don't even think it's a misogyny thing at that point for him to kill them. I think it's a it's a revenge against people that have been abusing you. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more understandable if that's the situation, that they're taking advantage of someone uh, just cruelly and just being cruel to him, mm-hmm. you know? So I find that to be a more interesting yeah. read of it, I think. Yeah, I think that is more interesting. I like that. One thing we haven't really touched on, and I know we're uh... – 
We've been going for a little while, but um, we're going long. <laughs> but Damon's stepping down. Okay, so I'm interested in exploring the pot. Like, what do we? Why did Damon step down from being Hand of the King? So the text tells us that it's he. He wanted to retire. He wanted it. to retire. Yeah. Um, and is kind of like acknowledges that it, this could also be that his niece just got murdered. Um. And there was tensions between him and somebody, I forget now. Yeah, it says, some have suggested that rivalry with Lord Manfred Redwine, who had replaced him as Lord Admiral, played a part in Lord Damon's decision. But this seems a petty aspersion to cast at a man who served so ably and so long. Let us rather take his lordship at his word and accept that his advanced age and a desire to spend his remaining days with his children and grandchildren on Driftmark were the cause of his departure. Um, How would the rivalry with Lord Manfred cause him to oh because it's kind of like i hate you so much i'm not working here anymore yeah i guess that would be yeah uh -huh. okay so the question is did he want to go home to his family or did he hate red wine so much he didn't want to work there anymore or both yeah i mean and we know that there were like <laughs> from that very brief paragraph we know that there's stuff happening in the stepstones so it could be that mm -hmm. like damon valarian uh had a different idea about how to use the ships you know because he comes mm -hmm. from a seafaring family that he could have mm -hmm. been like I don't know, honing in on Manfred Redwine as the master of ships and going like, I don't know, I think you should do things differently when the stepstones mm -hmm. with your ships and that there was tension there. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I have strong... I think it could be both things. I yeah. think it probably could be like, you know, there was this horrible family tragedy of this 14-year-old in our family being poisoned uh -huh. and I'm old and want to retire and I miss my kids and stuff. Uh -huh. And also, like, this job is shitty and you don't pay me enough. You know, like, I think it could be, like, a combination of all of those things. Um, I was wondering yeah. if there may be some level of, like, Damon. I mean, this is pure speculation. But, like, the fact that the timing is Liana, because I think that's her name. <laughs> um, I think it is Liana, actually. Wait a minute. A new name. <laughs> Um, yeah, Liana, but just spelled with an I instead of a Y. It's so creative. It's so creative. It's a totally different name. Um, so Liana Valarian. There's only so many names, okay? Yeah, it's true. There are only so many names. That's why eventually we get to Bob. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I love that Martin has the, like, Viserys and Bob in the same world. Um, Aris, Aris and Bob, Aris yeah, and that's, Bob. that's the name of the actual trope is Aris and Bob yeah. because it's from Final Fantasy VII. Uh huh. Because uh, the two characters, two of the characters in Final Fantasy VII are Aris and Bob, and then they're also Aris and Bob. Good job, good job, George. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like the timing seems kind. I mean, like clearly it's causally related, right? Like your niece gets murdered, and you, and then like you're like, oh, gee, gotta retire. Um, mm. yeah, hmm. that I, I have wondered if there was a, maybe that like Damon was like, I've been away too long or like, I don't, you know, like I, yeah, I think that's part of it. I also, now you're saying that I kind of wonder if it, part of it wasn't like he kind of blamed the Targaryens a bit yeah. for that. Yeah. Because... First of all, like, Jaehaerys was totally fucking useless in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, and then his 
his niece, who's Liana, who's killed, is the four. That's the fourteen-year-old. Yep. Or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. His fourteen-year-old is there being. Oh, no. Is it? I, no, or maybe I think the fourteen-year-old is um is Casella Staunton. Yes, okay, because I, I knew that there was somebody else. But like his niece is like over on Dragonstone. Oh, I think I think um she was like the new the newest addition. Yeah, she's to one of the Rainier newer girlfriends. Like, Padre. Yeah. Um, so his niece is over there being a girlfriend to Reyna and dies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, like, like, can't I trust these people? You know, like, this family is, like, really fucked up. Uh-huh. And, like, Jaharis did fuck all for this. Allison did fuck all for this. Okay. And Reyna's the reason this happened. Yep. Also, you know? here's a thought. Um, nothing, there's no reprisals against the Farman family. Nothing happens. Oh, yeah. Andro throws himself out a window, and that's just, like, the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, new theory, I wonder if Damon and Jaharis had some words about what should happen in response. Oh. And Damon left because he is, they disagreed. Yeah. Because as oh. you just said, Jaharis did fuck all about this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And that yeah. includes... Nothing happens to the Farmans after this. Mm-hmm. It's basically just like, well, I guess the guy who murdered them is dead. So, like, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine Damon being pretty pissed if, like, mm-hmm. his niece was murdered and the king was basically just like, I mean, the guy who did it's dead. What do you get? What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would Damon want, though? Like, who would get punished? I don't know. That Like, maybe, like... I, like, I don't know I mean, if he would uh, ask really, for something about, from Lord Farman, who's, like, the, like, from... Realistically, the person to get punished would be Reyna. She didn't do anything, though. She created the circumstance that led to the murders. She abused him so badly. Right, but, like, I don't know that anyone Farman, would know. Lord Farman didn't do anything. I don't know if anyone would know that, though. Like The maester knows. Because he wrote it in the book. Right, but like this is all. I mean, this is all written after the fact, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just yeah, wondering I, if I mean if Damon would want some kind of recompense from the Farmans, whether or not it's punishing yeah. Lord Farman, or if it's just like, well, hey, like your brother killed my niece. What are you gonna do about that? Like, your brother killed my niece yeah. and a bunch of other people. Like, are you going to make this right to anybody? Like, are you gonna, you know, like some payment or some kind of like, you know post like a, an apology on your twitter you know like anything yeah like are you are, yeah. you know and like going to to harris and being like are you going to do anything about i'm th- i'm also thinking like mostly just because that's kind of how feudalism works like i'm thinking about mm-hmm. um when tywin is like cat stark took my you know took my son captive therefore i get to ravage the riverlands yeah. You know, like, yeah. under, I mean, under I feudalism, there's, like, this expectation of, like, some kind of recompense when a member of the family is murdered by another lordly house. Mm-hmm. Um, that I wonder if Damon might have gone to Jaharis and been like, are you going to do anything? Are you going to, like, does Farman have to do anything to, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, clearly nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, and Jaharis said, I don't know, I'm 19, I'm playing Minecraft. <laughs> right, yeah, clearly nothing. So I'm, I wonder, like... I think if I hmm. were telling the story, there would be something about that 
that makes Damon retire. Yeah. Like Damon wanted something, whether it's something from Reyna or something from Lord Farman, but like Damon wanted something to happen, some more kind of punishment or recompense. And Jaehaerys would- said no. Yes, I agree with you. I think it would be really interesting if it was that he wanted some punishment for Reyna. Yeah. And Jaehaerys said no. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Jaehaerys, like, loves Reyna or whatever, but I think he, like, wouldn't want to face her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, I mean, I wouldn't either. He's probably, like, he's probably, like, you know what? We're not gonna, I'm not gonna poke that beast. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're just gonna leave that alone. Yeah, I think, I agree. I think if I was doing an adaptation of that, that would be more interesting. Mm-hmm. And it still fits, like, with the timeline and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, damn it. Yeah. All right, you want to talk about who gets shafted? I mean, all of Raina's girlfriends. Just rip Samantha Stokeworth, yeah. Samantha Stokeworth, oh, Elaine Royce. Sam Stokeworth. Um, what are all of the... I want to I wanna remember them all. Um, pour one out. Pour one out for Samantha Stokeworth, Elaine Royce, uh, Liana Valarian, Lord Staunton's daughter, Casella, Septa Mariam. Oh, she was fucking a nun. She was fucking a nun. Oh. I love her icon. Yeah, just like all these women that we like don't really know anything about them except that they got poisoned and died. So, you know, because Gildane doesn't care about the lives of women. So, hmm. well, we recognize them here on we honor House you. of Fire and Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of it for people that get shafted. I mean, we we're gonna in terms of connection to a song of ice and fire. We talked uh, a bit already about daughters who should be queen mm-hmm. um so does that connect to daenerys of a song of ice and fire i do feel like it's really striking that we're giving a lot that we're getting a lot of information about baby daenerys in mm-hmm. a way that we haven't really gotten any information about any of the other targaryen children so far mm-hmm. like well we did we did know that uh anus as a baby was not a warrior yeah right we, yeah he was, he was yeah. weak he cried yeah he, yeah he cried when his his mom died. When his mom died and never came home. Yeah. What a so weak, weak what a weakling. Yeah. What a weak what a weak toddler. That toddler yeah. boy crying. Unacceptable. Man. How could he do that? Um but yeah, just like a lot of it feels like more space is being devoted to baby Daenerys than we've gotten from anybody else. And knowing that Daenerys is a retcon. Yeah, that's, that makes it really interesting. That's part of it. That's for like me. this is so intentional. Yeah, yeah. That like this, none of this was in the world of ice and fire. That like baby didn't. Who was the first? Who was the firstborn child in a world of ice and fire? Was it the boy? No, it was um Alyssa. Oh okay. Alyssa was the oldest. Um, so it was still a girl. There was still like the issue of like a girl being first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but she lived to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um. Hashtag spoilers. Um, but like, so yeah, so like knowing that this is a retcon, I'm just like, anytime Daenerys comes up, I'm like, is this about, are we supposed to think about Danny, George, yeah. when we're reading this? Is that what you're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely feels like it, at least in the section where like Alison is like, you're going to be a great queen, baby Daenerys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, that's just- and I, it's definitely going to be interesting going forward as uh Alison has more children mm-hmm. and i mean spoiler there will be brothers yep um you know further discussions about who should inherit because daenerys of a song of ice and fire has a claim because she's the last targaryen mm-hmm. if there was another targaryen boy she would be shit out of luck right 
And, like, will Westeros accept her mm-hmm. as a queen? Big question mark. Yeah. Big question mark. So I do think that's part of what this is setting up is just like that question of like, how are we going to deal in the future with this issue of inheritance based on gender? Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Sex and gender. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we talked about in terms of themes, we did talk about um, the symbols of power with Valerian. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've talked about before, like the now the dragon pit is done. Um, and there's this one note about like... Um, it was the second largest building in King's Landing, second mm-hmm. only to the to the the Red Keep. And it's yep. like, oh, oh, Martin, what are you trying to tell us? Interesting, interesting. What are you trying to say, George? <laughs> the big I understand your symbols. Yes, yeah, the <laughs> biggest building is the one with the throne in it, and the second one is the one with the dragons in it, and the third, you know, the third leg of our tripod is the faith yeah (laughs) um because that like that's not mentioned here but like i feel like we should have it in the back of our mind that when he says the second largest building in king's landing you're like oh so like this is bigger than the sept because the dragons are more important than the faith (laughs) yep well it's bigger than the sept for now for now yeah for now for now uh i love the dragon pit symbolism anyway we'll get there in many months from now um i totally forgot to mention when in the in the connections to a song rice and fire um Mm -hmm. alaric stark Sounds so yes. much like Ned Stark. Alaric? Yeah, Alaric. So he is in contention oh, oh, for Hand of the King. Personali- you mean his personality? Yeah. I thought you meant his name. I was going to be like, Alaric and Ned don't yeah. sound similar. <laughs> so um, when they're considering who to pick for the Hand of the King, it says Alaric hmm. Stark was best left in Winterfell, a stubborn man by all reports, stern and hard-handed and unforgiving. He would make for an uncomfortable presence at the council table. It would be unthinkable to bring an Iron Man to King's Landing, of course. Like, yes. And I think they're talking about the Ironborn in that last sentence. But, like, I was thinking yeah. about that and going, kind of like Ned. Kinda Not like entirely Ned. like Ned. Because I don't know that I would consider Ned unforgiving, but he is stern. And he is. He's, yeah, he's pretty strict. He's pretty strict about laws. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's it's framed as, like, honor. You know, that he's, like, honor bound mm-hmm. to, like, follow the laws. And the, and the letter of the law is really important. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting that like it, it was this like, oh yes, I'll, this Stark man who like is pretty rigid and stern and stubborn, a really bad choice for Hand of the King. We probably shouldn't bring him down to King's Landing. And I'm like, yeah, huh, <laughs> interesting that you say that. <laughs> like, That's weird. Really I weird. Think, I wonder, I wonder if in the future you'll have some starks that are hands that are really good at it actually maybe uh-huh. after some wars happen i don't know yeah we'll see right. <laughs> maybe maybe the starks coming down to king's landing is a bad idea maybe they maybe they hmm. should stay in the north or maybe they should return to the north after they do their jobs mm-hmm. um uh, in terms of themes also general trauma and the patriarchy i mean this kind of gets back to both of our overarching themes mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. The Targaryens are kind of a microcosm for what happens in Westeros overall mm-hmm. and how the patriarchy sort of destroys these families and then also the disempowerment of women disempowers us all. I think both of those are very much present yep. in this section. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like we were saying before, like but for like a lot of these problems would be absent if Reyna had, had been crowned queen next. Mm-hmm. Yep. If, if Reyna was the ruling queen... None of these problems would be happening. Mm-hmm. None of the current problems. I mean, there might be other problems, right. but 
the current problems would not be occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jaehaerys and Alicent could have easily been involved in running the kingdom mm-hmm. as well, you know? And Arya would be the heir, so there wouldn't be this tension. Mm-hmm. They'd all be in King's Landing, you know, like, you wouldn't have, like, she wouldn't have had to marry Andrew Farman. Yeah. You know, if, if you took away these, the trappings of patriarchy on this, mm-hmm. then every everyone would be better off. Yep. Everyone would be in a better position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's right, like, as, as we were talking about when you were talking about with, with Arya and, and Reyna, so much of that dynamic, especially with Arya being, like, an extension of her mother's patriarchal frustration, is like, right, well, this wouldn't be here if, if like, the patriarchy didn't happen, then, like, this mother-daughter would not have this tension because the mother would have inherited mm-hmm. and her daughter would inherit after her, and it wouldn't create mm-hmm. this, you know, pain and trauma between them. And so much of Reyna's trauma is either directly or indirectly a result of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, if you think about it, absent patriarchy, if you, I mean, it depends how far back you want to take it, Reyna probably would have never had children. Yeah. With Anus. Aegon. So, Anus was Aegon, a dad. sorry. I always forget which one, yeah. Uh, there's too many I of them. I would really hope she doesn't um, have kids with her dad. Yeah, I mean, you know what? In the Targaryens, <laughs> it's not, it wouldn't even be that weird. It's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, you know, the, the fact of the matter is like this kind of toxic patriarchy grinds people down mm-hmm. and, you know, that's to a point Yeah, that's to teach us about, maybe it's to teach us about our own world and our own patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Have you considered your own patriarchy brain? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about like. How talk you know, if people want to think about like how toxic is Reyna, she's so angry and she's lashing out at everyone around her, it's like, well, have you considered that um she's you know, that rage is her response to grief and trauma and the the amount of like direct and indirect suffering under misogyny that has happened to her and like it makes sense that different people respond to that in different ways and like one of the ways that people respond to that is to get angry at the at the level Mm -hmm. of like injustice that's been that they've been treated with and like this is not to condone her cruelty to her husband because that's super shitty um Mm -hmm. this is not to condone the fact that she was you know one of her favorites was a 14 year old like that's super shitty too i no matter what your gender don't date a 14 year old like we said mm-hmm. um yep. psa yeah psa we don't, do, we don't believe girls. in dating in dating teenagers if you were not Please a teenager yourself children. um yeah. like and in a way that like reminds me of cersei in the way that i feel about cersei is like these women are what the patriarchy has made them mm. yeah like yeah they become, you know, angry and frustrated and bitter and resentful and cruel because of the ways that they have been treated. And that's not to say it's okay. It's just to say that, like, if the patriarchy didn't exist, you wouldn't have a Cersei. If the patriarchy didn't exist, you wouldn't have a Reyna who looks like this. Like, of course, as mm-hmm. you know, if we were in the real world and they were real people, they would still exist, but they would not exist in their current form. That, like, yeah. I mean, I think that the overall lesson is that any system, patriarchy or otherwise, that prescribes how you need to act Mm -hmm. is bad right because you cannot take the vast diversity of people and boil them down into two roles yep you know this is this is westeros man this is westeros woman you're you're one of those two like it's not possible right right because the system also failed andro that like oh absolutely in a different system andro would have had accommodations he would have been you know like he wouldn't Mm -hmm. have 
he would not have existed as someone to be taken advantage of because part of mm -hmm. why Reyna does that is because of the ways that she's been disempowered. And so she is looking for someone who will not be a threat to her, to her power because mm -hmm. she has been disempowered. And so he would not have been someone like Reyna wouldn't have seen him that way. Probably wouldn't have even noticed him because she would have been fine. Mm -hmm. And so wouldn't have been like, you know what? I really need like a man that I can like who is not a threat to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Andra was failed in that way. So like the system fails everybody. Cause you're right. Yeah. Like you can't you can't boil down human existence into like half of the population does X and the other half does Y. Like you just can't do that because humans are more diverse than that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's true in real life too, good listeners. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. If you are reading this Diversity is good. Diversity is good. People are very different. They should not have roles prescribed for them. They should be allowed to do Well, I, I think that the theme of fire and blood for me is is the disempowerment of women disempowers us all. But I think an overwhelming theme of the song Advice and Fire, I think we've talked about this before, is that the disempowerment of any group yep. disempowers us all. Mm -hmm. And the reverse is true as well. The empowerment of diverse groups empowers us all mm -hmm. and that's just because humans work better as a collective yes you know that's our strength is being social and having collectives that work together and support each other right i mean that's so. literally how we work <laughs> yeah that's what we have been since humans have been humans has been collectives you know you gotta no gretchen you gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps oh. and and do it all yourself you know i hate libertarianism i hate i, I fucking hate capitalism and I just want to listen to Socialist Commune. Can we just can mm -hmm. I do that, please? Yes. I'm I'm done with, with toiling. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think we thoroughly analyzed this. Okay. Uh, so a couple of things, guys. So our email, if you want to email us, is houseoffireandbloodpodcast at gmail.com. All one word. We're on Instagram. That's houseoffireandbloodpodcast as well. We do have emails from some of you. We haven't answered them yet because we're very bad at this. But we do read them and we love them and we will respond. I promise. I've made that promise several times. I know. Um, <laughs> we we will we will do that. I promise. Uh, the other thing is, we wanted to do some shout outs because we have this. The way we post our podcast is through this really cool website called rss.com, and they give us a lot of analytics for um, like how many people are downloading, whatever. And we think it's cool that like anybody listens to this. So like, thank you. Like, if one person was, if it was just us listening back to ourselves, we'd still do it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but we think it's super cool that people listen to us. And what the website shows us is actually the breakdown of where downloads of the podcast happened across the world. And we have listeners, like, ev like everywhere. It's crazy. It's, like, so interesting mm -hmm. to me. Um, so we're going to start doing shout-outs to different regions. So the first one I'm going to do is the an area that seems to have, like, a lot of downloads but only one dot which I think means that there's exactly, like, one person who keeps downloading the podcast, is someone who lives in or around the state of Kansas in the middle of the country. Because on the map that, that we have, there's, like, you know, the East Coast has a bunch of downloads, the West Coast has a bunch of downloads, like, Canada has a bunch. And then there's just one really bright red dot in the middle <laughs> of the United States. And it comes up as Kansas. I don't know how accurate geographically it is. But if you are a listener to us in middle america and you just keep downloading this podcast god bless you mm -hmm. thank you yes for your dedication i hope kansas is nice i heard it's kind of flat there um but that that is great I'm, i hope that we bring some joy to you uh 
out in the middle of America. And so we'll, we'll be shouting out different uh, regions mm-hmm. uh, each podcast because I think it's just a really cool feature. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Kansas, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Kansas. Yes. We appreciate you. Um, All right. Yeah. So next Great. time um, we have been oh, struggling lovely. to remind folks what next time. So next time we're going to be starting the next chapter. Um, which is Jaharis and Alisand, their triumphs and tragedies. And we will be reading through um, like two thirds of the way down page 240. Um, it ends with, uh, then it was said a roar went up so loud that it could be heard across the narrow sea. That's where we're going to be reading yep. through. Yep. Um, so yeah. And uh, until next time, remember, if you get in a fight with your mom, storming off is much more effective if there's a dragon to ride. Hmm. That's like flying off then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fly off, yeah. And also remember, if you have to deal with tragedy, uh, get a project right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, like a large building <laughs> that has symbolic value. Do that. <laughs> It'll be good for you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next Bye, time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Recording. We're recording. We are recording. We're on the we're on the correct microphone. Okay. <laughs> are we? Yes. Okay. I <clears throat> it was louder before. Why are you like this? <laughs> yeah, it cut, it gets happens. shy as soon as it's performing. It does. It has performance anxiety. <laughs> Just not what you this want never out happens. of a microphone. This never happens. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> oh, I wanted to let you know. Also, I've been saving. I have a file. Of extra Easter eggs Ooh. from like just stuff that happens while we're recording, and I've been saving every time that we like sing the song in the beginning, and I always sing it incorrectly. I have like seven oh of them. Oh my now. gosh! <laughs> you should make at some point. You should make a compilation that is just like Caroline sings the song wrong and just like. <laughs> <laughs>